series on the Great Commission, and I'm so excited. You know, I found out researching on Google how many love Google, hallelujah. It said that 51% of people in the whole earth never heard, well, go back, go back, go back. 51% of the church in the whole earth never, ever heard of the words Great Commission. 51%. And then 6% are not really sure what it is. Like, they, maybe they've heard, I'm not sure, but they're not sure. 25% of the people, they have heard, but they don't remember. They're like, yeah, I heard about it, but I don't remember what it is. And only 17% of the people actually know what it is and can tell you. So, you know, I figure we start about talking about what the Great Commission is. If you can pull up that scripture in Mark 16, we're going to read a bunch of scripture and then we're going to talk about it. Is that okay? So you can stay seated because I have a lot to read. All right, Mark 16, 15 through 20. You got it? He said to them, okay, this is Jesus before he goes up to the Father. His last words, all right? It's got to be important. He says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will do what? Drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands in. When they drink deadly poison, it'll not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied. Amen? All right. Let's read the next one. The other scripture on the Great Commission is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then the disciples, oh, that's not it. Y'all got to catch up with me. Go ahead. Matthew. No. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so we see a bunch of elements here, okay? Jesus is saying to his disciples, all right, listen, I'm about to go. Y'all seen, I've been walking uh, all these years here with you, healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making disciples and teaching them about the kingdom. Now, I'm about to go, but I'm calling you to do it. In other words, everything that I have been doing, now it's your job to do, right? And he said, but, but listen, it's okay. You're not going to be alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be your helper, right? And so this is our job, church. This is the commission that Jesus gave to us. This is not optional. It's not if you feel like it. It's our job. And can I tell you that there's nothing more filled with purpose than to do that which God has called you to do. You know, Jesus, when he was here, there's a story that he's ministering to this lady and, and the disciples come and they're like, Jesus, you're not hungry. Like we, we all went to get some food and you've been here all this time and you haven't had anything to eat. And you know what he responded? He said, 
there's food that y'all know nothing about. It's to do the will of my Father, right? So when you're doing those things, something in you just comes alive, right? The problem is that we have become complacent and comfortable because how many of you know it's really, really uncomfortable to approach people you don't even know, especially, right? It's uncomfortable to step out and pray for the sick because you're scared they might not get healed and then you'd be looking stupid. It's, I mean, it's uncomfortable, right? But the problem with that is, is that purpose does not go with comfort. Every time that God calls you to do something, it's going to take you stepping out of your comfort zone. Right? Will you go? Will you go? See, this reminds me of a story in the Bible. Uh, the same, how many of you know that sometimes God will tell you to do something and if you don't do it, he's going to say it again and then he's going to send somebody else and say it again until you get it right. Right? Until you listen to him. So he said to Adam and Eve, he said, this is it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to fill the earth. Fill the earth and multiply it, right? And then a few chapters later, after God has sent the flood, after, you know, humanity has completely disobeyed his orders, he goes ahead and, and sends the flood, and then Noah and his family start all over again, and guess what? God says the same thing again. I want y'all to spread out. Yeah. Fill the earth. Yeah. I don't want you to be in one, but I want you to fill the earth. But then in Genesis 11, 2 through 4, if you have it on the screen, this is what happens. they stubborn. Look at your neighbor and say they're stubborn. You got it? No? Okay, that's fine. I can paraphrase it. Got it? Okay. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled. Say settled. They settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. I can't pronounce those words. Praise the Lord. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered. Look at that word. Scattered on the face of the whole earth. Listen, this was God's order to them. Was God's command was scattered. Go, go ahead and fill the earth. But it says that they got to that place and they got confluence. The Bible says that they settled. You know, my concern for the church, guys, is that we will settle. We will settle. We'll get comfortable inside of the four walls and we'll forget all about what God's called us to do. I mean, praise God for, you know, Holy Ghost filled services. Praise God. Praise God for words of knowledge in the church. But where are the people that are willing to go out? And to scatter, and that are not scared of being uncomfortable. Because if we just stay here, we're not obeying His words. This right here is your training ground. The Bible says that that God has given us uh, the the fivefold ministry to train us, to equip us for the work, right? But what work? What he has told us to do, to go out. Amen? I mean, when it says go and preach the gospel, that verb actually means as you go. So when it says go, it doesn't mean that you have to travel overseas. I mean, if God is calling you for that, praise God. But sometimes that means that as you go, as you are working, preach the gospel. As you are going to school, preach the gospel to your friends. As you go, preach it. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Right? And so, but the thing too is, is that I feel like especially in America, I'm coming for you guys. Especially here in America. I'm going to say because I'm including myself in it. Okay? When I was in Brazil, we had no AC. Okay? Like, it's expensive. So, if you are, if you are really, really rich,
Sunday school. He put it in one bedroom, and whenever it's hot, everybody mounts up in one bedroom. And I mean, mom and dad, no privacy, because everybody's gonna be sleeping in your bedroom, right? Because it's hot, and we we don't have money for central AC, central AC. But what I'm saying is sometimes when we have much, we get comfortable. Sometimes when we have much, we're too worried about what we're going to build, right? That's what was happening with these guys in the Tower of Babel. They were like, you know what? I don't care what God's telling me to do. This is too uncomfortable. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to build my own uh, empire. I'm going to build my own house. I'm going to, you know, buy the most expensive furniture. I'm going to work hard all my life so I get to give to my children what I didn't have. Or, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting good things. As long as you don't forget that it's temporary. You know, you can choose to be focused on this right here, on this earth. But earthly things are temporary. You know, Nimrod was the guy that was king over the Chaldeans in that time, or Babylon, when they were building the tower. And God gave me this comparison between Nimrod. There, there's two kinds of people in the earth. There's Nimrods and there's Abrahams, yeah. right? The Nimrods are worried about building their own thing, yeah. building their own name. And Abrahams are people that as long as God is calling me, I'm going. I don't know where God is calling me to go, but I'm going to go. I don't care if that means I'm going to have to live in a tent because he lived in a tent. I don't care what that means. I'm going, right? So look at your neighbor and say, are you going? So we're talking about you can either choose to fulfill God's dreams or your dreams, right? And God has a dream. Yes, does. Let's read Habakkuk two fourteen. This is God's dream right here. Man, I want to do what's in God's heart. It says, "For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God." As the waters cover the sea. That's God's dream. That when he looks at the earth, when he looks at humankind, that's his dream. He said all of us will be filled with his glory. He said all of us would know him. So are we too busy building our own dreams? Or are we going to build God's dream? See, in Babel, they were building a tower that went up because they wanted to get to heaven. It was vertical. But when God sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he was showing that, you know what? You guys are building something vertical, but my plan is to build something horizontal. It's to build a church that will be a divine temple that will have people all over the globe filled with the glory of God. We are his temple, amen? Amen. And so God showed me this for tonight. I said, God, what do you want me to speak tonight? I mean, I've preached a bunch of sermons in this series. I don't know what to say now. And he said, I just want you to speak my heart. My heart behind the Great Commission. You know, we are called the body of Christ, right? The church, we are the body of Christ. But the heart is what pumps blood and oxygen to the whole body, right? It's the heart. But sometimes the church, we want to operate apart from the heart. See, we can't go out and be willing to step out and be willing to get uncomfortable if we don't have God's heart. If we if we don't start asking God, I need you to give me compassion for people and love for people so much so that I'm willing to go out and look like a complete idiot. I need you, God, to, to you know, put your hands on my eyes 
like you do. I want to have compassion for them. You know, the Bible says that Jesus healed because he had compassion. He says that he cast out demons because he had compassion. Where's the compassion in the church? You know, sometimes we're scared, we're fearful, right? We're scared to go out. I know why God said that we're like sheep among wolves. Because sometimes we say, oh, let's go pray for that person. You're like, Bleh. I don't really want to go, but I want to go, right? We're so scared. We're so scared. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So if we have enough love in our hearts for people, we're going to go. We're going to go. And so I have a few uh, bullet points that I want to share with you today. And it's basically all the elements of the Great Commission behind God's, God's love. The number one is discipleship. Let's talk about it. Because we're really good at singing songs, but we don't want to spend time discipling and pouring into people. Right? So I already told you that sometimes missions are here. Yes. There's work to be done here. Yes. You know, when, when you were watching the drama, I don't know if you paid attention, but it said 3.15 billion people in the whole world have never heard the name Jesus. Yes. Right? But if you do the math, that means that 4.75 billion have heard. But I got a question to ask you tonight. The ones that have heard, do they really know him? Do they really, like, they really know him? Do they have a relationship with him? Have they just been exposed to religion but they didn't know him? So there's work to be done here. You know, the, the, the issue, I don't want to say the issue, but what we have seen the most when we went out on the streets, Epic Youth, you can, you can testify to that, is it's not that people didn't know the name Jesus. Because everybody in America knows Jesus. Everybody's a Christian, right? You know, Jesus, I know Jesus. I pray every day. But we've encountered people that you can tell they don't really know him. Because we, we would ask him, I mean, a teenager would ask him, and they'd be like, can I pray for you? This how they would. No, thank you. I have people in my own church that can pray for me. I mean, I'm not saying this like being mad. I'm just saying, they need to be discipled. They need to know him. Man, anytime you want to pray for me, come on, hallelujah. We're going to have a worship party, a prayer party, amen. Let's do it. Hallelujah. And so I'm concerned that there's work to be done here. The problem is that we're looking to the pulpit and waiting for discipleship to come from over here. But can I tell you something? You know, not even Jesus can reach everybody. That's why he put in a model and place and it's called discipleship. Because it's not only Apostle Kyle or Stephanie McFadden that's going to be, I'm sorry, Pastor Stephanie McFadden. Hallelujah. We're not the only ones called. We're not the only ones called to disciple people. You are. Where's the church? Hello. The other thing, I'm coming for you, church, today. Because I've seen so many people, I mean, including myself, Jesus, I repent. Sometimes we just be like, she's a Christian, but she's wearing that outfit. Or, she says she's a Christian, but she's there reading horoscopes. Instead of criticizing, why don't you disciple? That's, that's your job, man. That's your job. Can I tell you, I wasn't always 
saved, like Apostle Nazar. This preacher wasn't always saved, right? There was a time that I was wearing those outfits, right? And then I came into the church, I got saved. Man, I meant good. I wanted to serve the Lord, but I had no clue. I'd never been in church before. And I was going to church. See, I thought just because he was long, he was appropriate. It was like, you know, really tight. You can see underwear kind of tight. And I had this lovely elderly lady that came to me in much, much love, and I could tell. And she said, you know, when we come to church, like, we try to, if we're wearing some kind of tie, we just put something, like, you know, the hands. And she said, I mean, love, you know? And man, that, that really resignated. Like, I, I thought about it, and, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, maybe I can start doing that, you know? And so sometimes all it takes is a little bit of discipleship. Discipleship is not just sitting down and having Bible study and teaching them something. It's living life with them, you know? It's going out and, and showing them how to pray or, you know, taking them to your house and you're like, hey, let's have some lunch and, and just tell them about what it means to pray or, or what it means to serve God. I don't know. Just do life with them. You know, Jesus preached to the multitudes, but he focused on 12. He, he poured into those 12 because, you know, God's calling us to pour into them what he has taught us yes. so that in the end, he can see his heart fulfilling the earth. Yes. That's not going to come from the pulpit, y'all. That's not. And God is doing amazing things from the pulpit. Yes. But we're lacking discipleship. Yes. And the second thing I want to talk about is preach the gospel. Have a heart for the lost. You know, God's heart, we're talking about God's heart. The Bible says that his desires is that none would perish, but that all, all would be saved. But the Bible also says, how can they believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear if we don't preach? And so we need to preach the gospel. Do you have that scripture for me? Matthew 9. 37, 38, my God, I know God, God has spoken this through many mouths in this season. And I know it's the season of the harvest. Yes, yes. We're about to see so many souls come to Jesus. But we need to open our mouths and speak. Yes. Amen? Do you have it? Well, anyways, it says this. It says that we would pray because the, the harvest is plentiful, right? Yes. But the laborers are few. And it says, so pray that the God of the harvest would send laborers, would send forth those laborers into the field. But that word send forth, send forth is ekbalo. Ekbalo from the origin, original is not something passive like, oh, send them forth, like, tell them to go. It's literally the same word that, that the Bible uses to talk about casting out demons. <laughs> so it's literally like, send forth and keep them. <laughs> like, cast them out of the church. Because they, they just want to go to church. Cast them out, right? Because it's easier sometimes to cast out a demon than to cast out a believer to preach the word. <laughs> My God. Speak, God. <laughs> See, I heard this story, an analogy. Um, there was this guy in the airplane. This is what we look like, okay? It's pathetic, Lord, help us. We're seated in an airplane. We know it's about to crash. We have a parachute on. And everybody else doesn't. You have the parachute. You have the answer. You have the parachute, but they don't. And everybody's making fun of you because they don't believe. 
your believers in the house tonight. You don't quit just because they're making fun of you. Because the Bible does say that one thing you're going to get is persecution. In whatever form that comes. But sometimes the church, we have all the gear on, we have the parishes, we have the answer. But yet, we don't give the answer to others. So we have, we got to live like there's a judgment day coming. And we got the answer. That's how we got to live. See, you can't control their response. That's up to them. You can't convict them from sin because that's the Holy Spirit's job. But it's absolutely your job to speak it. It's absolutely your job to preach. Absolutely your job to open your mouth. Because one day you're going to give account for it. And you know what? What do you say? What do you say? I mean, there's, there's not a manual. Jesus didn't leave a manual. There's not a process. There's not, you know, a formula for it. But it comes from relationship. Sometimes it takes you sharing your testimony. Yeah. See, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Yeah. You know, once I was this crazy girl and I was partying and I was drinking and I was using drugs. And all of a sudden Jesus came in and I just had to leave all of it because it's so much better. Let me tell you, man, he's got a purpose for your life. And you know, sometimes we make it so complicated because we think, what can I say that will convince them? It's not what you're going to say. Just speak the gospel. There's power in the gospel for salvation of those who believe. Amen? Just say it. Simple gospel. Don't be scared of bringing up Jesus in conversations. Bring him up. Amen? Let's be some Jesus freaks. And invite people to church, of course. That's the goal, right? We want to get them to church. But let me tell you something. Giving them a flyer is not all you're called to do. There's some people that they might not come. Have you heard of that? They might not come. You've heard my testimony. I was coming back from a college party, vodka in my hand, da-da-da. You know, just wasn't feeling good. Going back home, the taxi driver happens to be Holy Ghost field. He didn't invite me to church. Because if he did, I wouldn't have gone. I was kind of drunk still. I probably would have gone to bed and forgotten all about it. Right? The thing is, he didn't invite me to church. He, he preached the gospel and he ministered to me. He said, you know what? Let me tell you something. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And as he was speaking that, it wasn't even what he was saying. Because I didn't get all that church stuff yet. I didn't know what it was all about. But I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I knew there was something there. I had to dig in deeper. And then I went to church. So let me tell you, just open your mouth and testify. Open your mouth and speak life and purpose into people. Because as you do, the Holy Spirit is your what? Your helper. He's going to bring the anointing forth. But you got to do it. He can't help you do it if you ain't doing nothing. Right? Let's do it. Let's preach it. The third point is, we got to have a heart for the demon possessed. Oh, y'all didn't like that, did you? Y'all be thinking now, oh, my relative, Jesus. <laughs> set them free, Lord Jesus. What if God is trying to use you to set them free? That's right. Do you have the compassion to do it? My God, I'm preaching to myself, right? Yeah. But but let, let me just tell you. So I've never done, I've never prayed for deliverance so much in my family like I am in this season. God has been opening doors. My God, well, okay, one season before, it's like they were persecuting me for my belief. And now it's like they're just, man, just give me some of that freedom, right? Yeah. Give me some of that Jesus. So you remain faithful where you are. Remain showing 
Swiss to minister the other day, and gosh, my favorite place to go is Walmart's parking lot. I don't know why. I'll be honest, sometimes I was scared to go get me out of the inside, so I'm like, I'm just gonna do it from the outside. Because you know, there's only one Walmart in Hartsville, so if they kick me out of here, I have nowhere to buy groceries, right? So, anyway, so I was talking to this guy, we just small talk, like, you know, we like animals kind of thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we engage in a conversation about religion. Obviously, he does not believe in Jesus, right? He's telling me all of this new age stuff that he believes in. He's telling me that he believes in, like, the yin yang and peace between evil, balance between evil and good. And there's nobody good or evil. It's just all kind of mixed up, you know? It kind of all depends, right? It's like everything, man, just takes you the same path. We're all, you know, a one big thing. And let me warn you about the dangers of this stuff, y'all. The Bible says that there's only one way, one door, one truth. His name is Jesus Christ. It's not going to take one conversation, but I believe that was a seed in his heart, right? But what, I, what I'm trying to say today is, man, please, as a church especially, don't engage into that stuff, that trend, that trend, that, that it's a horoscope, it's a new age stuff, it's coexist, it's all that stuff opens doors to the spiritual realm. And look at what, to what point a demon can take somebody that they would rape somebody else and think that's not bad because they just believe everything is neutral. There's no right and wrong. Right? We gotta take our stand, guys, for the Bible. We gotta take our stand for our beliefs. I mean, we ain't playing, right? I mean, and, and even to the younger generation, I want to speak this because a lot of times I hear newborn Christians or even, you know, older Christians be like, man, what's wrong about smoking some pot? Like, you know, what's wrong? It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. Can I tell you? I can't prove it to you, okay? But I must tell you that the word witchcraft in the Bible is pharmakia. Yes, it is. 
You know that, that like, okay, there's religions still today that use all those drugs, like, okay, mushrooms and all that junk, to ask to do rituals and to access the spiritual realm. See, I'll probably tell that one of the only times that I smoked pot before Jesus, okay? Before Jesus. I gotta, I gotta tell because, you know, they be taking stuff out of context. <laughs> In the past, but before Jesus, I seen a demon come and try to kill me. I promise. I ran out of the bar. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's danger in engaging with these things. And we, first of all, we need to take a stand. Second, we need to we need to disciple people. We need to tell them in love uh, that those things aren't okay. But third of all, have compassion for these people, man. Because before you knew the truth, you were probably engaging in those things too. And you know what? Jesus loves them and wants to set them free. And he wants to do it through you. Jesus said, it's your job to cast out demons. Don't be scared of them. The Bible says that you have the authority to trample over serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And I'm going to bring the last thing about uh, having compassion for the demon possesses. 90% of their deliverance will come through discipleship. Because you see, you can cast out a demon of somebody, but what's going to happen if they don't, they're not filled with the word? It's going to come back. Seven other spirits, right? So take time and disciple people, church. Disciple them because God wants them free. And then my last point. Am I going too long? I don't even know. We good? Y'all good? Okay. I don't have a watch. It's dead on purpose. I didn't turn it on purpose. Four is we have to have a heart for the sick. We got to have a heart for the sick. Corey was sharing here earlier, and he said, I hate that word cancer, right? I hate that word. See, that's the only feeling we gotta have towards disease and sickness yeah. is hate. Yeah. Can you say it from like within is hate? Yeah. It's okay, guys. Listen, Jesus hated some things. It's okay. Yes. You can yeah. say it, okay? Yes. Say hate. Right. You gotta hate sickness because Jesus hates it. Yes. See, if, if you love people, you gotta hate sickness. Yes. Even if it's tiny, big, small little disease, right. that is death and baby form. Can I tell my my grandpa, he was like my dad, he died from something that was so little, little tiny bacteria in his tooth. I was like, you know, he's gonna be fine. But he's just, you know, everybody goes to live. We gotta hate it, church. We got to hate it, right? Yes. And so I wanna talk a little bit about ministry to the sick. Is number one thing that we gotta know. Y'all like so quiet. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yes, hallelujah. Number one thing is, Jesus is not pouring anointing from heaven over a believer, okay? You're not asking for him to flip the switch and do something. He's pouring from within you. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, where is it coming from? Out of your bed, out of you, right? You're not asking for him to send some special anointing flip the switch. It's in you. And he says that as you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Yes. Number two thing that I need you to know tonight is, DJ, come on here real quick. He's going to kill me for this, y'all. Can we give it up for DJ? I show this in youth because this is really important. I mean, our name is Dominion Church, right? If we don't talk about operating in Dominion, 
you know, we got to do it. We got to do it. Biblically, we are not called only to represent people before God. As far as healing goes, let's say DJ has an infirmity, okay? And I don't go to God and say, God, look at poor DJ. He, God, he's so good. Jesus, he pays his tithes. You know, he, he comes to church every Sunday, every Wednesday to youth group. Will you heal him? Is it your will? Will you do it, Jesus? God, please, in Jesus' name, right? We are not called to represent people before God. We are called ambassadors of the kingdom. We're called to represent God before people. Because Jesus said, I am one with you, just as I am one with the Father. So as you go, in my name, heal the sick. It, notice, it never said, pray for the sick. Ask God that the sick be healed. Yeah. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't ever say pray for the sick, except in James 5, and it's in a whole other context about the elders of the church. It says the prayer of faith will heal them. Not even getting into what that kind of prayer looks like, but it does say heal the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Speak life, right? All those things. So we're representing God before him. So when I go... I know Holy Spirit is backing me up. He's not helper. I'm going to speak into you. I'm going to say in Jesus' name, be healed. Yeah. Not because, I, listen, not because Ninda has anything, not because Pastor John, Pastor Lynn has anything on their own, but because we are a team with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's called the Great Commission. Yeah. Can I hear you? Thank you. Thank you, DJ. You got to know what you have. And the other thing is, listen, oh man, sometimes we're just going from, not us, not, I mean, don't do that, because we got it going on, right? We got to hit, hallelujah. But a lot of believers, we're just going from conference to conference, and from event to event, waiting for a special man to come lay hands on us and impart some, like, special gift of healing or something, right? But that's not biblical, y'all. You know what, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? But I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because the Bible does say about imparting the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? We can lay hands on the sick. If you read Acts, they lay hands on, not on sick, they lay hands on people to impart the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen, that's biblical. But it's not a special anointing of healing. When the Holy Spirit moves to the inside of you, he moved with all the luggage, right? You, you possess all of it. It's your commission to go and heal the sick. Represent God. Amen? Yes. I mean, real quick before I close, because y'all are looking like you're about to go to sleep. Um, man, we, we went out, and I just got to share for the glory of God. We have seen some folks healed, and it was amazing. Uh, they prayed for this, this lady at Walmart. She was a, she was a Christian. She was whoo, full of the Holy Ghost. Had been church party and along but she had had a hip replacement she was in a lot of pain using the cane she walked out carrying her cane praise God because she was and uh, one other time that we went we went to Goodwill I love thrift shopping I do I like some deals deals we went to uh, we went to Holy Ghost. <laughs> we went to Goodwill. 
where's DJ, DJ, where to go? We prayed for this guy. He had arthritis. And he couldn't tell if he was gone right there. So we just kind of like, okay, you go. We believe that you're healed in Jesus' name, right? Never really heard about it until the other day. DJ said, I encountered that man on the streets. And he said that the doctor told him that he had no more arthritis in his body. Glory to God. Glory to God. I, I'm just sharing this because it's in you. You just got to believe it's in you. The Bible says those signs will follow those who believe. Go and do it, man. And ask them afterward because you're going to be surprised. What I like to do is I'll say, Jesus name be healed, right? And then tell them, try to do what you couldn't do. If it was their back, try to bend over. And you tell them, you know, from a scale of zero to ten, being ten what it was before, what is it now? No, don't just minister and run because you'll be surprised sometimes. They'll say, well, you know, some, now it's a five. And you're like, oh, something's happening, right? Let's press in. Yeah. And then you'll be surprised. I mean, Jesus prayed twice. So go ahead, pray more. Press in and, and get that thing out of them. In Jesus' name, right? Amen. Anyways, I'm about to close. So if we can have some musician, we'll just kind of wrap it up. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm sweating. I get excited talking about this stuff. You can tell, right? Oh my goodness. Okay. I don't care what you're thinking. I just love Jesus. I need to speak. How many of y'all have gotten something from tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, my prayer is that this will not just be a series for Epic Youth, but this will be a lifestyle. Yes. You know, because as we go, we're called to do these things. We're called to disciple people. Yeah. We're called to heal the sick. We're called to cast out demons. Yeah. We are called to preach the gospel, to baptize people. All these things. And so if you will just stand to your feet as we close tonight. Man, I'm going to do two calls. And they're going to sing a song, you know? But... If you are convicted tonight, you know, you're saying, God, use me. You know, God, I've, I've been too comfortable. I've been too complacent. And you know, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I want to fulfill this great commission thing. Then just come. And then the second thing is, if you felt the Holy Ghost tonight, you know, and you never, you never really gave your life to heal me. You're not walking with Jesus. But tonight, you felt something different. Like you felt, you know what? I want to give my life to this Jesus, this miracle-working God. You want to repent of your sins because there's no, there's no born again without repentance. And repentance means that you are turning away from sin. You say, you know, you know what, God? I didn't know that this was wrong or I wasn't really convicted or I was rebellious, but you know what? I'm willing to leave that lifestyle to serve you. You know, if you're willing